<laughs> I, I wonder, do you ever think, this is a question, being a Jesus follower, uh, being a Christian is just more about following rules. Like, like Christianity is just tied up with a bunch of rules that, that following Jesus is all about just getting things in order right, you know, checking off the right things. I, I remember as a kid, the first time I broke a church rule, I don't know if you guys know what church rules are, but there are church rules. And the first time I broke a church rule, I was like, I don't know how old it was, but I was at this Southern Baptist Church, Fairview Baptist Church down in Georgia, and I was told as a kid that you can't run in church. I don't know, has anybody ever been told that? You can't run in church? So, okay, so me and a few others, good for you guys. <laughs> so I was downstairs in what we call the fellowship hall of our church, and no one was around, and I decided I would run. And I ran all the way across the fellowship hall, and I got to the other side, and uh, I wasn't struck by lightning or anything. And I thought, well, you know, maybe God doesn't care if I run. Maybe that's not that big. But I remember it really well. Like, I thought, man, this is something. I broke a church rule, and God didn't kill me, you know? And the truth is, as a kid, I was pretty much a handful, okay? And so the rule probably, don't be too surprised, the rule probably was there because I was so much of a handful that like, if we can just tell Kenny not to run, that God doesn't like running, you know, then maybe that will help us a little bit. So, but you know, some of us grow up and we never quite get clear on church rules, right? The, you know, the rules around coming to church or being at church, some things are confusing. Some things are not confusing, but we just don't talk about them. And somehow, even though we don't talk about them, we all know it's some sort of church rule. So if you're new to church and you're coming to a church for the first time, you know, you're always wondering, well, what do, I, what do they wear there? What clothes is the right, are the right clothes to wear? Can I wear a ball hat? You know, can I wear, do I wear a suit and tie? What do I wear? Or maybe when we sing songs and we worship, can I raise my arms when we're singing? Do they do that in this church? You know, uh, a bunch of young people have some motions they do. Obviously, I'm not in charge of the motions. Uh, am I expected to do that? Can they do that in church? Isn't that just a camp thing? You know, what, what are the rules here? Is that okay on Sunday morning? So stuff like that. Just for the fun of it, I kind of wondered, are there actually real laws on the books? And believe it or not, down in my favorite country of the world, the United States of America, there are laws on the books about what you can and can't do at church that are still in effect this day. I won't read all of them, but here's a few of them. They're quite ridiculous. <laughs> in Alabama, it's illegal to wear a fake mustache to church. I don't know. And similarly, in Texas, it's illegal to go to church in disguise which I think is broken all the time, probably. And just one more. In Omaha, Nebraska, it's illegal to sneeze or burp during a church service. I, I, I kind of get the burping thing, but the sneezing thing, you know, sometimes I sneezed this morning. I think I, I broke a law. If we were in Nebraska, I would be in trouble. So. But then some church rules are a bit more serious. Following Jesus is a little bit more serious than some church rules. And if it takes these more serious ones that we kind of put together and we start to wonder, 
is this all about following Jesus or is it about following the rules? So here's some facts. Now, these aren't things I got off the internet. These are actually things from the Bible. There are 613 laws in the Old Testament. Did you know that? The first 10 commandments are the first of those 613. 613. In the New Testament, there's over 1,000 commands. Some of them are kind of repetitive, so we can kind of whittle it down to 800. That's 1,400 laws or commands in the Bible. No wonder we tend to think or have this attitude that following Jesus is about following the rules. So I have one question, and that's where we're going to camp this morning. This is just one question, all right? So here's a hint. Why? Why are there so many rules? There must be some reason why. So that's where we're going to camp this morning. Why are there so many rules at church? Let me pray, though, so that uh, we can get firmly established here as we start. Lord, um, some of us come here this morning with different agendas, different things on our mind. Help us just... Uh, Take a breath just, and be here just for a little bit more time. And that the songs that we sang, Lord, uh, and now this message we hear, that we can zero in and hear what it is you want us to hear. So that's my prayer. Not that I would be entertaining, funny, or smart, or witty, but that people would be point, pointed to you and your word this morning. And so we... Pray for that and ask for your guidance this morning. Amen. Well, you may find it hard to believe, but when God had the world exactly how he wanted it, he only had one rule. Anybody know what that one rule was? Anybody want to take a guess? Somebody, somebody said about fruit and knowledge. Go ahead, Sarah. You got it? Do not eat the fruit. That's right. Something like that. Do not eat the fruit of the tree of... Right, good and evil, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's right. That was the one rule he had. You may even wonder, why did he have that one rule? You know, why just that? Why one rule? And I believe it was God's way of actually giving us freedom. So there's a rule that leads to freedom. You may think that's confusing, right? So let me kind of explain that a little bit. We tend to think of freedom as independent from rules, right? Like I'm free from all the rules, all the restrictions. But the truth is, the truth is, we need restrictions to be truly free. So let me unpack it a little bit more. Think of a fish. All right? Think fish for a second. If you're only, if you're, you're only free if you're restricted to the water. If a fish gets out of water, what happens to the fish? The fish dies, right? Is there any freedom in death? No, that's not, that's death, right? Or maybe let's, let's take another example, your pet dog. If you want your pet dog to run free, you actually put a fence around your yard. Because if you let your pet dog run free, then your dog's going to probably run out into the road and get hit by a car or maybe get picked up by animal control. And being dead isn't free and being in dog jail is not free. And so that's not freedom either. So you restrict the dog so that he can be truly free. Children, if you wanted to be your own boss as a kid and you rebelled against the loving confinements of your parents, we all know that wouldn't end too well. So a couple of rules I always heard when I was a kid, don't play in the street and don't run with scissors. Remember those rules? 
Don't play in the street. Why? Is it because our parents wanted to be so bossy? No, it's because, kind of like the dogs, if we play in the street, there's a good chance we'll get hit by a car. And have you ever run with scissors? You could trip and fall and stab yourself with scissors, right? And so we need these restrictions to be free. So God gave only one rule. But the first people wanted to be free from that one rule. And then their kids wanted to be free, and their kids wanted to be free. And finally, God said, enough. Enough. You guys are blowing the freedom thing. And so he created the first 10 commandments, followed by another 603, 613 commandments over a period of time. This is an important fact, though, do you understand this? Is that those rules were for his people. For his people. Not just anybody, his people. They were for people who had decided that they would be followers of God. And there were so many, this is so true, because they just weren't that smart. And their tendency was to live foolishly, especially when it comes to relationships. So just like fish need to stay in the water, our dogs need to stay inside the fence. The kids shouldn't run with scissors and play in the streets. God's people needed someone to tell them how to live within proper boundaries so they could be truly free. For example, one of those 613s rules was a man should not covet, and the word for covet here means to kind of have this passionate desire for something or someone. A man should not covet your neighbor's wife, or a woman shouldn't covet her neighbor's husband, or their house, or their field, or their donkey. Basically, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, why? Why is that a rule? Because when we start to look at our neighbor's friends, or our friend's stuff, or them, in the wrong way, it takes our relationship in the wrong direction as well. We get jealous of what they have, envious of what they have. Maybe we start judging them a little bit. Oh, they're a little bit materialistic, aren't they? And we start judging that. Or maybe we just find that we ourselves aren't content with what we have because we see what they have. Or even deeper, causing even worse brokenness, is when we act on this coveting attitude. If we lust towards our neighbor's wife or husband, and lust is just another synonym for covet, when we act on that lust, and, and, and in our minds, it brings a whole new level of brokenness. And God's saying, we shouldn't covet our neighbor's wife. We shouldn't lust after other people. Because when we do... All sorts of brokenness comes from that. That's what I meant when I said the relationships. They didn't know how to handle the relationships. And so if a married man lusts, and then this time I, I do mean it in kind of the sexual way, when he lusts after a different woman, and it's not his wife, and then he acts on that, then all sorts of relationships are broken. And all sorts of freedoms are distorted. That's not freedom. That's brokenness. That's, that's hurt. That's heartache. All because someone acted on what they felt like doing. Just because we feel inclined to act a certain way doesn't mean it's right. Just because we feel inclined to act a certain way doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's true freedom. 
And God knows that we need these boundaries in our lives and around us. He knows that we need those. He gives us rules because he knows that if we follow them, think about this. If we follow these guidelines, these rules, we become free from regrets, free from shame, free from addiction, free from secrets, free from pain and heartache. I recently was talking to my daughter about this, and I told her, I said, you know, honestly, I can say this, Hannah, that even if I'm wrong about Jesus, even at the end of my days, my faith has amounted to nothing because I was wrong. At the end of that, I think I would still want to follow the life that Jesus has laid out for me because it just makes sense. It's just smart. So I think the question is not, do you really want to follow all those rules, but rather, do you really want to be free? Do you really want to be free? Now, of course, the danger is becoming legalistic about following all the rules too as well. You know, so what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that we get all of these 613 things and we line them up and we just start creating a checklist of things to do. You know, I, I get all of my things and I just start checking them off. I try to live my life by checking off the boxes, by ticking the boxes. And, and the truth is, that's not true freedom either. That's, there's no freedom in that. In fact, in Jesus' day, he ran across a group of religious people who were doing just this. They had their check boxes. They were ticking things off. And they felt like that was the true way to follow God. And not only that, they wanted other people to follow God the way they followed God. And so they would say things like, well, you've got to follow the rules exactly the way I interpret these rules. And they tried to insist if you just get the rules right, that's true freedom. That's what pleases God. Which in another sense is just another form of slavery. People then become slaves to their checkboxes, slaves to the law. And Jesus kept telling them, this is so amazing about Jesus, he said, it's not the outside appearance that's so important. What's important is the inside. The outside and the inside need to match. Your heart, your mind, these things need to match. Listen to what he says in Matthew 5, verse 17. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. And just so you know, when he says the law and the prophets, he's talking about those 613 things, right? So he's talking about that and the interpretation of those. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay. Well, thank you, Jesus. What does that mean? Well, just a few verses later, he explains himself. He says, you've heard that it was said to those of old. And when, and when he says something like this, he, his audience, those people listening to him, would know that he's talking about those 613 laws. Okay, that the, and those religious people, their way of interpreting the 613 laws. Okay, so you've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, now again, those people listening to him would know that he's now going to give his interpretation of this law. That's kind of the, the hint. And that's how they did things in his day. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be liable to judgment. Is Jesus creating more rules now? <laughs> did the 613, did the, did the 1400 rules just get bigger? 
Did he just add anger on top of murder? Well, yes and no. But in their checkboxes of rules, it says, do not murder. And Jesus says, keep that one. That's a good one. I don't come to abolish that one. I don't want to get away with murdering. I don't want you to get away with murdering people. But aren't you kind of murdering people with how you treat them in your minds with this anger that you have? Isn't that kind of like murder? I mean, sure, you aren't literally killing people. But your hate and your anger is killing them in a different way. So don't just follow that rule, the outward rule of don't kill someone. Follow what's behind the rule, the heart of the rule. Pay attention to the rules, but make sure your heart and your mind are in line with your actions. And that, that's true freedom. Don't just refrain from murder. Refrain from your anger and your hatred and that kind of festers down inside of you. And if you keep this up, at the very least, it will lead to broken relationships. And at the very worst, it will lead to someone being murdered. Okay, so what do I do with the information you've just given me, Cam? What difference does it make or should it make as I walk out the door here today? And let's go all the way back to where I started. Is following Jesus just about the rules? Are all the rules from God meant to take away our freedom and restrict us? Is that the way it is? No. No, they're not. And so maybe the first takeaway, the first thing you say is, I need to really rethink how I've thought about the rules at church. Remember when I told you about my, what I told my daughter, even if I'm wrong about Jesus, even if my faith amounts to nothing, his way actually gives us true freedom in our relationships with each other. So consider this. Consider how in your mindset, when it comes to church, you need to rethink this whole way of thinking about rules. I mean, it's a good thing that every time someone is angry, that they don't kill their neighbor. It's a good thing that when you're struggling with lustful thoughts, whether it's about a person or about something, that you don't act on those things. Just doing whatever feels right does not bring us true freedom. A fish needs to stay in the water. Kids shouldn't play in the highway. And the freedom that Christ brings us isn't bound up in, in just acting like rule followers, but rather truly in our hearts, understanding not only the intent behind the rules, but in our hearts following them too as well. And that's what brings us freedom. That's what brings us freedom. Now, that's one suggested takeaway uh, to, to adjust ourselves and our mindset when, when we think about the rules of the Bible, the commands of the Bible. Another takeaway from, from this this morning, and maybe this is just, you know, kind of helping us understand the first takeaway a little bit better. But as we try to see the rules in the Bible that bring us true freedom, try to understand that they bring us freedom from regrets, freedom from shame, freedom from addiction, freedom from secrets, freedom from kind of pain and heartache. And so when we read the laws and the commands from the Bible, ask yourself this. Does this actually bring me freedom? Does it? And maybe you're the sort of person who likes to challenge things. Go ahead. Challenge it. 
but challenge them in honesty and ask, why is that a rule? Get to the bottom of it. What's behind this? Why would Jesus say that? Why is he so concerned about my anger? And so that when or if you decide to follow the rules, you know why you are following the rules. You know that that's meant to bring you actual freedom. It's actually meant to bring you abundant life. I want to close with this wonderful promise from Jesus, from John 10.10. And, and the kind of the context of this is Jesus is telling those people who will follow him and who want to follow him, I've got good news for you. Following me is a good thing. Listen to what he says in John 10, verse 10. And we read this earlier today. The thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that may have life and have it more abundantly. And the New Testament word for life means exactly what you think it does. It means the opposite of death. But then there's this other word that kind of adds meaning to the word life, abundantly, abundant life. We aren't just existing, breathing. We aren't just alive, but we have abundant life. We have exceedingly good, superior, beyond measure life. That's what Jesus brings us. Now, that's good news, I think. And I think that's worth following. Let me pray for us.